Mark and Dan. Mark and Dan. Podcast. Mark and Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Mark and Dan Meets World. I'm Dan Brown. And I'm Mark Brickai. Mark, how you feeling today, brother? I'm doing so good, brother. I gotta ask you a question, Dan. On a scale, on a danger scale, where would you put me? If push came to shove, Mark, I'd have you slightly above lime jello. Oh man. <laughs> and I'd have all of our listeners out there slightly above Rambo. You guys are listening to Mark and Dan Meets World. We are talking about Boy Meets World Season 2, Episode 16, Danger Boy. It aired February 3rd, 1995. It got 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb with 164 votes. And when we started talking about doing this, doing this podcast, this was one of the episodes I was the most looking forward to. Yes, me too. Uh, like we said last week, this is another one of the episodes we, we just got so hyped talking about the episode that we're going to talk about. So we just fucking love this episode. And I'm so pumped that we're doing this one. This episode, as we mentioned in the last episode, if you're looking at the top 10 funniest scenes in a sitcom ever, Boy Meets World has three of them. Yes, easily. Last, last week... We talked about one of them with the with the they want you to take the roles. Yes. I'm going to say this right now. It's not the funniest scene in a sitcom episode, but it is without a doubt in the top 10. We'll get to that when we get to it, though. But to start this episode off, Eric is studying on the couch. I do studying with a little quotation with my fingers. But quotation with one hand because I see your talk. <laughs> yeah, like, like, she's right biting the shit out of my arm right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be me for the rest of the episode. <laughs> but Eric is studying. I say that with quotations around studying with the figure quotes on mm-hmm. the couch with a girl he's making out with. That is uh, the character named Kim. She is played by Heidi Lucas. She was Dina on Salute Your Shorts. Oh, that's where I know her from. Yeah, she was on, I just, on Salute Your Shorts. Yes, I just watched. I haven't seen that show since probably the 90s since it like originally aired, but uh-huh. I just caught this uh, documentary on Hulu about Nickelodeon mm-hmm. and it brought that up. And I was like, she looks familiar. What do I know her from? And I'm, I'm a lazy piece of shit. So I never looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, maybe it's just me referring back to this episode again. I haven't seen that documentary yet. I know I, I absolutely have to. Yeah. But here Eric tells her he wants to go out on Saturday she says she can't because she has a cousin coming in from New York City. Um, she's 13 years old. And Eric goes, well, I have a 13-year-old brother. And she goes, well, she's very sophisticated and mature. And he goes, well, don't worry. My brother, Corey, he's very mature. And then right on time, Corey comes running down. He says, look, I'm a fountain. And he spits water out. <laughs> <laughs> Which can I say from the time I was like five to all the way when I was like 13, because of this episode, I would spit water out like a fountain. Uh, yes, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I've done this too. 
But then Corey leaves and then Sean comes down the steps and then he says, I just had to see the pretty girl I heard about and tells Eric and Kim, you know, as you were. And the girl wants Sean to go out with her cousin. Eric is going to stick with Corey, but then she gives him a big kiss and Eric decides, you know what? Sean can go out on the date. (laughs) Uh, The next scene, we see Feeney and Turner in the hall. They're talking about the meeting to, you know, set up clubs and see what teacher is going to go where. Uh, and the, the next cut, we have Eric talking to Sean about doing a double date. Sean asks about Corey. Eric says that it's okay. So this is cool. We get to see Sean actually be a good friend here. The first thing he thinks about is, well, why aren't you asking Corey? Mm-hmm. And this is also like these, I think the second interaction with Corey or uh, with Sean and Eric, because the first time was when they first got their message and um, Sean went on the date with that girl. Uh, where they threw milk milk duds at the theater. Yeah. So we don't get too many Eric and Sean moments, but uh, yeah, this is definitely, it felt kind of weird because like we never really see them together. No, we don't. And what's even sadder about that is I'm guessing the two of them were best friends behind the scenes. Like when yeah, the cameras turned I... off. Yeah. Like they, they really got along great. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that in a documentary about Boy Meets World. They said uh, they were actually really good friends. So the only other time I can really think of where Sean and Eric are talking by themselves is in the first episode of this season, in season two, when Corey is not allowed to acknowledge Eric directly. So he has Sean to go over to talk to Eric, but then Eric, he's doing that just to get Eric to yeah. go talk to Corey. So that one doesn't count. But, but I meant like, like a dude to dude moment. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we rarely get those. And as long as Eric's paying, Sean's okay with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But then the next scene, they got the caf- They got the meeting in the cafeteria. Uh, the meeting is being held by Miss Rifkin. That was played by Kathy Kinney, who was Mimi from the Drew Carey show. Yes. And when I saw this, when I was in like seventh grade, it blew my mind. I was like, what yeah. the fuck? I was like, that's Mimi without the makeup. And like, I know you, you're, you know, you're from Cleveland. So like, were you had to have been huge into Drew Carey when it was on the air, right? So I, as it was airing, I wasn't really allowed to watch it because it was rather inappropriate for kids. But of course, yeah. you're going to see it as years go by, as years go on. It was in syndication, for God's sake. Of course, the local channels picked it up for syndication. Yeah, and they it was a show nothing. about Cleveland too. Yeah, and Mimi was an iconic character. So even if you didn't watch the show, everyone knew who Mimi was. Yeah. And everyone knew it was because of the makeup on her face because she always had that ton of makeup put on. Yeah, she uh, was just like just full on D Snyder from Twisted Sister. Just yeah. And then this is her like stripped down, like no makeup at all. So this blew my mind because I I thought legitimately that's what she looked like all the time. Like she just walks <laughs> on set and then just has all that makeup on. And then they just like, oh, let's just make jokes about it. I thought I was so a kid. too. I, I, I didn't so know too. that it was like a character thing. Well, I think that the, the crew from the Drew Carey show went on Oprah once. And my mom was watching Oprah when they were on. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, is that Mimi? I'm like, well, why did she have makeup? Why doesn't she have makeup on her face when she's on Oprah? And yeah. my mom would be like, because that's a character she plays. She doesn't actually do that in real life. And I'm like, well, then how did they know she would look like that in makeup? Like, I couldn't understand. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that, that wasn't who she really was. Yeah. But in this scene, they're picking out, you know, what teachers are going with what clubs. 
uh, Mr. Turner gets the ski club. Uh, Mr. Feeney gets the chess club, of course. And Feeney gets offended by it. He goes, yeah. you know, I, I just want everyone to stop assuming. Uh, to which Mr. Turner files a motion for everyone to quit assuming. And then he looks at Mr. <laughs> Feeney and says, I'm going to assume that you assumed I would do that. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I fucking love Mr. Turner. That was, yeah, Turner was, <laughs> Turner was just a, a great smart ass for Feeney. Yeah. And then the next scene, mom comes home with dry cleaning. Dad's going off to a poker game. Dad didn't realize that she had a haircut. Um, it cost a fortune. That's when dad stops. And then the haircut costs $130. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, $130 seems like a lot for a haircut. I didn't realize all the shit they have to do to women's hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is another thing that kind of blew my mind. Cause my mom was a hairdresser. So I got all my haircuts for free. My brother got, and then of course my mom, you know, did her own hair. So I was always blown away. I was like $130 for a haircut. And I thought that's like what my mom was charging. Like if some guy walked in, like if you, like you walked into my mom's shop, you were like, yeah, I just want a haircut. And then that was $130. I was just like, God damn, my mom must be rich. $130 every time somebody comes in. Why is my dad <laughs> trading in trucks and not just buying new ones every week? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is, Another episode where we have an A, B, and C storyline, where we have the A storyline with the, um, you know, Corey is, you know, wanting to get Eric's approval. The B storyline is where um, Mr. Feeney is trying to get Mr. Turner's approval. And then they kind of meld together. So that was a really nice kind of touch. And then the C storyline really has nothing to do with the A, B storyline, where it's just Amy's hair and Alan going out to poker. And... So this scene right here, the C storyline, it always kind of bugged me because, like I said, my mom was a hairdresser. So I know like all this, um, all the hair stuff. So she goes, Amy's like, look, can don't you notice my hair? I got a weave. And then I looked at her hair to like when I was watching this episode, I was like, that's not a weave. Her hair isn't any longer than it was last week. I had to look it up. I was like, I guarantee this was written by a guy. Yeah. And I looked it up. It was written by uh, a person named Glenn Meser, Merzer, so, excuse me. Uh, he's the writer of this episode. So what I think as a writer, so for me, whenever I have like dialogue with you or my wife, you know, anybody, and it's just kind of like something funny. I just kind of like jot it down and then just work it into my scripts. So I think this C storyline is something that happened to Glenn Merzer. And he wrote this scene based off of dialogue he had with his wife. Like, I think his wife probably got a weave. And he still and, didn't recognize what, ha what a weave was. Yeah, and he doesn't know what a, <laughs> or, that or she just like got highlights or something. And then he was just writing it down. He goes, what do women get? Women get weaves. That's what they do at hair salons. And he just wrote it down, not knowing what the fuck a weave is. And then Glenn Merzer's wife probably yelled at Glenn for losing money at a poker game. So it kind of felt like he just kind of pushed this storyline to kind of go like, look, see, it's okay. We both lost money, wife. That is kind of my theory of the week. Attention, Mark and Dan meets world listeners. The suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio are about to meet their match when three best friends have come across hardships on trying to make their dream movie. 
Follow Craig, Jamie, and motherfucker Dave as they beg, borrow, and steal their way to achieve legendary status only on Mark McKay's indie comedy hit, Suburban Legends, Life on the Rainbow Road. Starring Sean Manos, Mary Lee Osborne, Matthew Phillips, Josh Miller, Haley Madison, and a special appearance by Lloyd Kaufman. I have one question for you. Are you ready to be a suburban legend? Available now on storeenvy.com slash Mark McKay's Gimmick Table. That's storeenvy, S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y.com slash M-A-R-K-M-A-C-K-A-Y-E-S Gimmick Table. But here's something we, that's not a theory. Corey realizes something's wrong when he goes to Chubby and we meet the new Chubby. I, I, I love the old Chubby, the original Chubby, where he had to like wipe his nose and yeah, you have to I, order a turkey Chubby. I, I don't know why they had to replace him with this yeah. guy. And it's not that this guy did anything bad. It's just he, he's not the original Chubby. And the, but this new Chubby has a New York accent for no explained reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he has no facial hair. He's just. He's not yeah. as dirty. Yeah, but I, exactly. I do appreciate the uh, where he calls him Potsy. Where he calls yeah. Sean Potsy. <laughs> well, I love because Corey comes in by himself and he goes, you know, you're not with anybody. He goes, okay, let's see what Chubby can do. Order 41 and there's Sean. And Corey goes, that's amazing. He's like, you want to see amazing? Order 62 and then there's Elvis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got an indie pie? You don't yeah. need it, King. Yeah. Don't tell anybody else here. Uh-huh. <laughs> But Corey's shocked to see Sean. Uh, they're shocked to see each other, actually. Uh, Sean tells him he's on a date. He walks over to see the see the girl. And Corey has to break the bad news that your date looks a lot like my brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then Sean tells him, like, oh, I'm on the date that you couldn't make. And that's when we have Eric starting to stall. Uh, the girls come back. Uh, Eric's girlfriend's like, oh, this is the boy that spits water. And then her cousin's like, spit water? Why does he do that? And she then asks to see it if it's funny. And Corey goes, I'm not feeling really funny right now. And just kind of walks away all sad. Mm-hmm. And the girl is uh, Mina Savari, play- who plays Laura. In yeah. This. And yeah, she was like a huge person in the 90s. So uh, she was in Loser. Um, I mostly know her from Loser. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's been in tons of stuff. So um, yeah, qu- kind of cool seeing her, you know, in her start here. Then we see Corey come home. Uh, we see Corey at home. You know, Eric comes in. Corey's doing homework. Oh, Eric explains to Corey that Kim didn't want Corey to be the date for her cousin. Uh, she didn't see Corey as cool and dangerous. Eric tells him that he's slightly less dangerous than lime, than lime jello. <laughs> uh, Corey's trying to prove that he's dangerous, but then Morgan comes in and asks Corey to sleep with her bear. Uh, <laughs> it just totally buries Corey right away. He goes, I'm, I'm dangerous. Can you sleep with uh-huh. my bear? He's safe. He's safe with you. But I do like the next scene. Feeney, co- they're in class and Feeney's talking about Harry Truman. He's working against the odds. And, <laughs> and Feeney is clearly taking shots at Turner during this speech. He goes, yeah. regardless what they're airing, wearing, whether Jack, like just, <laughs> just totally shooting on Mr. Turner subtly. Yeah. And at the end of class, Sean feels bad. And Corey understands um, that Sean didn't know. Uh, <laughs> but that's where Sean, he, he starts like, I was doing a lot of thinking during class, which is something I never do. <laughs> oh, I forgot. And he goes, you feel bad. And he goes, yes. 
He's like, but Sean, you shouldn't feel bad because you had no idea. You just assumed that Eric asked me first. He goes, that's right again. <laughs> <laughs> and I completely understand where Corey's coming from because Eric straight up told him is like, yeah, the uh, the fountain hurt you. You were looking real good. And then that just, just you just buried yourself, Corey. So then this is the first interaction post date with Corey and Sean. And then Sean is just like, he's feeling bad. Like he just wants to say something to Corey to make his buddy feel better. And he's like, you know what, Sean, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. It's not your problem. Don't worry about it. It was me. I did it. I'm perceived as fucking lime jello. Yeah. And, and Sean doesn't quite understand why Corey really isn't mad in this yeah. circumstance. Cause Corey's not mad. He's just sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean leaves and Corey didn't realize it and he goes to talk to him and and Feeney sees that Corey's all alone and Corey's starting to cry uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Feeney's there now now my boy um, but they're both they both have the feeling that everyone just assumes that they're safe and boring and Mr. Turner interrupts with the ski vest for Feeney uh, to which Feeney <laughs> tells him to stick it in your ear Uh <laughs> He really fucking hates that earring. <laughs> but I, I love this this line from Feeney. I, I wrote it down here. If you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you'll never grow as a person. But if you leave yourself open to experience, despite what others think, then you will learn and grow. And when you grow and mature, you can rub their smug little earring wearing noses in it uh <laughs> dude i wrote that down the exact same quote word for word as well yeah. uh that is actually the mr feeney's lesson of the week that i picked up on uh because yeah. i mean we'll, we'll get to it later on uh but essentially like you know you let people because mr feeney you know he's conservative he wears a suit he wears his little sweater vest and everybody goes oh uh, he talks with this like kind of New England or not a New England accent. He kind of talks with like an English proper accent. So, of course, he wants chess. Yeah. Uh, and then Corey, since he's, you know, just kind of like, hey, look at me. I'm, you know, lime jello because I sleep with my sister's bear. Everybody goes, you're not dangerous. We're not going to have you. So, like, they, they're both just kind of put in this box. So then that's when they go like, we got to do something stupid. We got to go out there and break the mold and not be the same fucking person. Everybody thinks we are. So I, I mean, we're kind of flash forwarding to the Mr. Feeney lesson week, but yeah, it's, it's essentially right there in that, um, couple of lines. Mr. Feeney spits out that he's just like, don't let people's perception define you. You better watch out. You better not cry. There's a terrorist attack. It can only be saved by one guy and a St. Bernard. Dan Brown and Heyman save Christmas. That's right. Dan Brown, my co-host of Mark and Dan Meets World, has his full comic book series out and available right now. A real Scrooge of a terrorist blows up Santa's toy shop, putting Christmas in jeopardy. It's on a recently fired comedian and his trusty four-legged best friend to make sure Christmas is saved for all the boys and girls across the world. Dan Brown and Heyman, save Christmas. You can go to danbrowncomedy.com for more information. That's Dan Brown Comedy.
com. And with Mr. Feeney saying that, that motivated Corey, that they need to do something big. And Feeney goes, yeah, we need to do something to show people. Yeah, we need to do something stupid. And Feeney paused. Yeah. And they went, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Feeney, knowing that he shouldn't do something stupid, but knowing that he wants his perception to change is that much more important to him. Yeah. That he's going to let a 13-year-old boy take him on this stupid journey. (laughs) (laughs) Which we've all been there, Mr. Feeney. I I know where you're coming from. So the next scene doesn't 100% wrap up the the C storyline, but Dad walks in the kitchen. He's Mom's asking about the poker game. He pretends to notice her haircut now, and she goes, oh, well, Gordy called. He wants to know if I'm talking to you after your $300, you know, loss. Um and she tells him, like, why don't you go ask for your money back? And then they both go, you can't ask for money back. Oh, but I can ask for money back. And dad realizes that maybe he was a little too rough on mom for a $130 haircut. But then the next scene starts the best part of the show. Eric comes in. He asks Corey to go to the batting cages. He sees the note. Corey is making a hard stance. He goes, I'm going to the amusement park with Mr. Feeney. <laughs> and, and Mr. Feeney? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> another great part, setting up to this, <laughs> setting up to this line, or, or setting up to him reading the note, is that Eric walks into the bedroom. He sees Corey's not there. He knocks on the, the bathroom. He goes like, hey, Corey, you want to go to the batting cages? The guy's not going to laugh at you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this scene and going forward, it just punchline, 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 punchline after this. And it's, yeah, because... The where Eric finds the note, not only is this a funny scene, but it just makes the next scene even funnier. Because at the next scene, we see the news crews at the amusement park. There's reporter Trisha Stone, who's played by McNally Sagal. She was the mom on the Disney TV show, The The Jersey, which is not on Disney Plus yet as of the recording of this, which is horseshit, because I really wanted to watch that show when yeah. I got Disney Plus. Yeah, that was another disappointment. Uh, so Disney Plus, known for disappointment. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I really love that because I, I watch it all the time, especially with Tony Hawk and stuff. Uh, just so many like huge stars, you know, sports stars in the '90s. But yeah, so they're at the amusement park and they're riding this like really dangerous ride. They're they're building it up essentially, and you know, this actually leads to this week's sponsor of the week. Look death in the eye. Laugh in the face of danger. Do something stupid. Show everyone you're different. Show everyone you're dangerous. Now at Action Park, ride the most terrifying attraction ever. Leonard Swindell's The Last Ride. We're not going to listen to parent groups, clergymen, or NASA engineers, because they're all lime jello pussies. Sign a waiver, wear a puke bag as you go straight up, straight down, through the vertical flume, around the spinning wall of fire, drop down the screaming dive of death. Leonard Swindell's The Last Ride. It's way more dangerous than lime jello. 
Elvis concert starts at 8 p.m. this Saturday at Action Park. I don't know what ride is scarier, that ride or, or the ride that we're about to see. Because <laughs> Trisha's really putting over how scary this ride is. There's been protests from parents groups, from NASA engineers, from everybody. The park owner is making people sign waivers. And when they ask the park owner, he looks nervous because he goes, things are half, you know, things happen. And he's got that like sleazeball. He ponytail. did. Yeah. I, I, I wrote down in my notes. He looks like a pro wrestling promoter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just needs a giant cell phone carrying it around. <laughs> I've, I, I don't know who this actor is that played this character, but I've seen this character before, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he definitely gave me an envelope full of $5 bills that, yeah. <laughs> that, that were counterfeit. Yeah. <laughs> but then the, the reporter asked, who is, full, who is full-hearted enough to go on this ride? And then they pan over, and there's Mr. Feeney eating cotton candy and Corey. And at the same time, they go, Hello! Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then Feeney takes a shot at his faculty members and going on the record saying, "I am the principal at John Adams High." <laughs> so yeah. if you're a parent like of one of these kids at John Adams High, you're like, "Are school principals going on roller coasters that are apparently dangerous? What the fuck are they teaching in this school?" I would probably go like, "Badass! That's that's an awesome teacher. I want you <laughs> learning everything from that man." Well, they get into the right, and they got puke covers on, too, Yeah. by the way. The, it says puke to... here, and then there's an arrow <laughs> pointing down. <laughs> so this needs to be pointed out here first. Corey is in the front. Feeney's in the back. They have him sign an, an organ donor slip. And, and Feeney's like, yeah, fine, take it. And then right, right then we see Turner and Eric show up at the same time running. Holding uh, they, notes. Yeah, they're both holding notes. He's like, you get a note from Corey? From Feeney. Uh, and then Eric's like, Corey, get out of this ride. Mr. Feeney, enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but they're both concerned. They beg him to get out. Um, Turner begs Feeney, and Feeney says, do you care to join me? And Turner, of course, backs down. And then Eric tells Corey that he's brave. And the next time there's a double date, Corey's going. Corey's like, I'm going. He's like, you're going. And then he actually starts going. The ride starts going, takes off. So as they're taking off, Mr. Feeney smacks the side of it and he goes, let's light this candle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and how I said last week where I just every time I go out to eat, I always go, they want you to take the rolls. This is another line I always say whenever I go to like uh, theme parks. Yeah. So back in the summer, my buddy James and I, we went to Kings Island in Cincinnati and we got fast passes and we quickly realized that the human body isn't meant to go on a roller coaster 25 times in one day. The human adult body. Yes, uh, because we got slap hefty after like 10 roller coasters and at after. Ride number 10, I just started smacking the side of the roller coaster as hard as I could going, let's light this candle and just <laughs> screaming real loud because of this episode. So as they're taking off, Mr. Feeney says, Warps, Warp Factor 10, Mr. Sulu. So this actually puts in canon that Mr. Feeney is a Star Trek original series fan. Yeah, he does. And 
But I love how the journalist is doing uh, commentary on the ride. Like, now they're going up the hill. Now they're going through the wall of fire and then the dive. And you hear Corey and Feeney screaming. Yeah. And it's like, and here they are. And they come back and they look terrified. Absolutely horrified. Their Just faces are frozen. Pale, and... <laughs> long faces. And you can you can tell... Corey is now in the back and Feeney is now in the front, but they don't acknowledge it quite yet. And it's perfect. Yeah. They, they acknowledge it at the perfect time because Eric goes over to Corey and then Corey just starts screaming in his face. <laughs> like, <laughs> he has a delayed scream. Yeah. <laughs> like he was in so much shock. And, and Eric asks him, he's like, a piece of cake. He goes, what? He's like, I threw up a piece of cake. That line I've used a hundred times over. Um, yes, I, I did say that when I threw up after a ride when we went to Kings Island. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I threw up a piece of cake. Yeah. And I love how Turner goes over to Feeney and he goes, uh, <laughs> and, and Corey is like latched onto Feeney who, and Feeney yeah. is like latched onto the car in front of him. And he tells you like, George, that was crazy. You want the ski club? You got it. And Feeney's like, I don't want the ski club. He's like, Oh, do you want the chess club? He's like, I don't want the chess club. He's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, I want you to get the kid off my back. Yeah. <laughs> and they acknowledge there. They're like, wait a minute. Weren't you, <laughs> weren't you sitting in, in, in the back? And he's, he's like, I had to run in front of the car. He was like, he got thrown out of the car. And he was like, yeah. I was running in front of the car, which doesn't explain how Corey got to the back at all. <laughs> yeah. Wait. What makes the, the uh, roller coaster even more dangerous is when uh, they're going off, and then Eric's like, "Next, next date we're going on. You're going." He goes, "I'm going. I'm going." And he starts to get up, and you see the thing that's supposed to protect them <laughs> that so locks them in just comes loose. <laughs> so what, what makes the like? This roller coaster even more terrifying is they switch spots <laughs> at some yeah. point because the thing is just fucking flapping. You would think they would at least have like the 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 safety belts there. No, nope. okay. <laughs> but Eric, this is the funny thing. So Corey, Corey and Feeney get out of the the cart. They they both had this realization. He was like, "I did this." Corey did this because of Eric. Feeney did it because of Turner. Corey asked Eric for help. And he goes, I, "I left my shoe in the cart. Can you go get it for me?" And Eric's like, "Of course I can." And Feeney goes, "Well, don't just watch him, Jonathan. Help the boy." Uh, so then they're both in the cart and because they switch places, that's a legitimate reason for them both to go searching in the cart in the different yeah. spots. <laughs> and the same park that made them sign a waiver, not two minutes earlier, <laughs> they shove Eric and Mr. Turner into the cart. They shut the, the very loose bands on them. Yeah. <laughs> And then Feeney goes, let's light this candle. And the ride takes off <laughs> right there. <laughs> so another thing. All right. Imagine you're the person behind Feeney and Corey. And you're like, oh, man, I'm getting so pumped to ride this ride. The news crew's here. I can't wait to get on this ride. And then you have Eric and Mr. Turner cut in front of you. And they just go off. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck? It's my yeah. turn. <laughs> I thought about that too because there were a lot of people with a uh, puke here uh, bibs around their yeah. neck waiting in line, and they didn't sign the waiver either. So yeah. if they died, they technically could sue Action Park. They can, which also leads to another theory this week. Mark McKay's theory of the week. Uh, so we never see Heidi 
or we never see Kim and we never see Laura ever again. And that's because they were somewhere in the middle of the line to ride the last ride. And guess what? They signed the waiver. But since the latch was loose, they died and they couldn't sue Action Park. So rest in peace, Kim and Laura. But that was really it. The last scene of the episode, dad's playing poker with all the friends and with mom's hairstylist. Um, he loses all of his money. They're goading him into playing more. And then Elvis shows up with a box full of donuts. He asks for some money and Elvis goes, how's 150 million? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up with the fucking pie. Yeah. <laughs> no other reason other than for a fun little laugh to end the episode on. But yeah, Mark, I loved, I loved, I loved this episode. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad we got to do this episode because we were so pumped to do this one. The uh, Disney Plus description is uh, Corey decides to challenge everyone's perception of him. Which I I would have had no idea what episode that was. Yeah, uh, neither do I. They should have said, you know, let's light this candle or it's a piece of cake. Yeah, it should have been Corey throws up a piece of cake. That would have been a better description. I love it. I love it, man. But this episode got 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Mark, I am rounding these up to 9.5. Yeah, this I'm right there with you. 9.5 easily. Uh, This just for the last ride scene alone is just it's pure television perfection right there. This was a this was such a fun episode to talk about. I'm really glad we got the opportunity to do it. Next week we're talking about season two, episode seventeen on the air. That's the one where Corey and Sean become radio DJs at the school. That's going to be a bunch of laughs. I'm definitely looking forward to that episode because I I remember that one <laughs> clear as day as well. I know Mark's really excited to talk about that episode. I know I am as well. That's next week. For this week, if you haven't done so, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash world. Follow us on Instagram at world, And subscribe and follow wherever you listen to us on, whether it's Anchor, whether it's Overcast, whether it's Breaker, whether it's Google Podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public. Wherever you're listening to us on, subscribe, follow, listen. We really appreciate it. And we're really excited that you guys have been part of this journey so far. Please listen to us next week. Thank you for listening to us this week. For Mark, I'm Dan. Have a good night. Do good. Mark and Dan. Mark and Dan. Podcast. Mark and Dan.